Blog Talk Radio. Podcast equivalent of the Tupelo Stand Brawl. It is time for Tipping Point with uh, me, Stephen Platinum, of course, and the venerable and wily, I'm going to call you wily this week, Larry Goodman. How are you doing, Larry? I'm doing pretty well. Actually, feeling fairly wily this evening, so this is good. This is good. Yes. But it's feeling uh, sad about the loss of Lance Russell. Yes, it's been, um, of course, it's just been a horrible week or two in general uh, between Puerto Rico, uh, what happened in Las Vegas, and of course, our, mm. you know, our heart goes out to all of the people involved. It's such a crazy freaking time. And, uh, you know, I didn't want Lance, I, I brought up Lance Russell, you know, when Larry and I were texting back and forth about the show, uh, I just didn't want Lance Russell to not be talked about i and and our guest tonight oh my god our guest tonight is gary michael capetta the voice himself who's going to be doing a show um you know uh basically based on his book body slams um he's going to be doing a show in georgia and one in tampa and then in orlando as well so we're going to be talking to him about all of that but Lance Russell, um, Larry, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot about something with Lance Russell. Where do you rate him? Um, just in terms of, um, you know, commentators slash announcers, where do you, where do you put Lance Russell? Oh, well, he's in my top five. I was a, a huge fan of uh, mm-hmm. Memphis wrestling, which we started getting here in Atlanta in the early uh, yeah, around, what, 82, somewhere around there, 81, 82, and on into the mid-80s, we had Memphis Wrestling, and I got to to the, to have the treat of listening to Lance Russell and Dave Brown every week and really in, enjoyed his work. He brought, you know, credibility to yeah. and a no-nonsense approach to wrestling, and boy, he had a lot of nonsense around him in Memphis, yes. and he had to to maintain the, uh, the that centered position and that uh, serious stance in the face of all that craziness swirling around him. So I, I, I rate Lance Russell very highly. I had the pleasure of meeting him one time when he um, was uh, announcing for WCW. And um, just to, you know, again, I only met him the one time, but a perfect gentleman, I'll tell you. Yes, um, inc- just an incredible gel- gentleman, really funny. Um, when I met him, 
it was just at one of these things where there was a, a you know a million wrestling people around and comic book people and that kind of thing and um I was kind of listening to a pitch from Gordon Soley's daughter who was pitching a book about Gordon Soley. And uh, I saw Lance Russell there and, and people weren't really talking to Lance Russell, which I thought was freaking insane. Uh, let me go ahead and say it. Um, Lance Russell might be my favorite. And, mm. and I, I say, I say that because nobody had to anchor down a crazier hot air balloon than Lance Russell, like without him. And I don't know if he gets credit for this as much as he should without him. Memphis is ludicrous. Yeah. <laughs> it's ludicrous. It's, it's sort of a similar thing that Gordon Soley did in the prime of his career where he helped anchor down some pretty crazy stuff in Florida and also some really horrible stuff. I mean, we've played clips before of guys that were just absolutely awful on the mic and Gordon Soley having to <laughs> make that thing. Okay. And I think it's a good lesson for promotions. Now you can do whatever crazy stuff you want, but if it's not tethered to a contrast of credibility and something that feels legitimate, it's just ridiculous. Uh, I mean, ECW had Joey Styles there, you know, to sort of anchor this stuff down and be, you know, simplicity, people would say straight man, but it's not just about being a straight man. It's about having somebody who can have appropriate reactions to what is going on, not pro wrestling reactions. And without that person, without that Greek chorus, it just doesn't work as well. I think Gene Okerlund also did this very well in his prime is it's his reactions to macho man, the heel managers, Hulk Hogan. It's Gene Okerlund's cueing you on how to feel about things. And I mean, who's that guy nowadays? Isn't that part of the problem with the WWE? Who's our touchstone to know how we're supposed to react? It's the crowd. And unfortunately, when you let it be the crowd, the crowd will take you anywhere they want to go. And we kind of see the effects of that. Um, I mean, you know, JBL is whoever, like none of the commentators or announcers now react in the way that they want the audience to react. They all just kind of do their own thing. They're characters in and of themselves. And I think Lance Russell took his job very seriously. Like, I, I think what he says during the Tupelo concession stand brawl, the first one, the best one, is some of the best sort of guerrilla marketing. Like, you know, it took wrestling out of the realm of two guys are having a supposed athletic contest in a ring and into the realm of what we see now, which is there's something salacious about wrestling. You know, when he says, Oh, you want to get camera down here? There's something happening. There's, there's a kind of a build and an anticipation. And without Lance Russell, if you turn the sound off and just watch the concession stand brawl, it's stupid. <laughs> it's <laughs> ludicrous, right? Or dumping jars of mustard on each other. And, but with Lance Russell there, you feel like you're getting to see something forbidden and something that's so far out of the realm of what you normally get to see. I mean, it was the inspiration for Jim Cornette to buy a VCR 
so he could watch that and listen to Lance Russell. So, yeah, I think to me the my uh, you know my top three would be Lance Russell, Jim Ross, and Gordon Soley, and they all had that character, that ability um, to to keep it credible, credible and believable in the face of whatever was going on, and and transmit a certain amount of a lot of intensity, inject a lot of um, intensity into whatever it was they were announcing. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, he's going to be, uh, he's going to be missed for sure. And and we'll talk more about Lance Russell at the end. And um, Larry has gotten some clips that I'm d- just dying to hear of Lance Russell. One thing I'll say about um, your list of three, which is, I think sort of the definitive list of three. Uh, I think it's very good list is unlike the other two, uh, Lance Russell never became either a parody of himself or, or fell off at the end of his career, which is, I think really interesting. Um, you know, that Gordon Soley, I, so my story is, so I'm, so Lance Russell was there. And and so I asked him like, Oh, Gordon Soley, you got a chance to work with him, right? Like, what'd you think of him? And he just goes, Oh, and you know, he says all this nice stuff about Gordon Soley. And then he sort of whispers to me, Hey kid, come over here so I can tell you some other stuff. He was such a gentleman. He didn't want to say anything that was even remotely bad in front of uh, Gordon Soley's daughter. So I thought that that was so classy, classy, that's a terrible word, but I thought it was so nice and also incredibly hilarious that, you know, he was, he said all the right stuff about Gordon Soley, but when Lance Russell, correct me if I'm wrong, Larry, when Lance Russell worked with Gordon Soley, it was kind of at the end of Gordon Soley's, tenure right yeah so he was true, true. Uh, and and gordon Soley at the end i mean it's it's kind of like bobby heenan we don't want to remember you know the last two years because the, both of them loved the drink and didn't really like what they were doing at the end so we tend to right. like sort of cut that away like that that's the burnt end that you just kind of cut off and pretend didn't happen um, it's very interesting. So, Larry, tell tell me about the shows that you've been to. Well, I didn't uh, this last weekend. I didn't go to any shows. The you know because it was a fifth Saturday. Nobody. Well, the the only show that was running locally was uh, Chris Nelms ran under the name Championship Wrestling from Georgia, which is in, an interesting name to use. If I remember correctly, that was the name that uh, Ole Anderson used when they lost the time slot on uh, TBS. And had a guy yeah. start, start going to run down in uh, Fairburn there at the at the at the uh, horse horse arena. Um, they used that that name, so he ran. But there wasn't really much else going on this last weekend. And of course, the weekend before that, I was at the um, Southern Fried Crossroad show, which was uh, really really well done. Really, I'm really happy for uh, Charles and that whole crew and and Todd. And for once, for Todd Sexton, everyone that was booked showed up. I mean, he has not had that happen very many times where he had the full complement of people that he actually booked. So they they had a real good show. So I think they've got uh, a bit of momentum. We'll see how these things go as they try to uh, now move into running other places like Loganville and Dawsonville and see how that that pans out for them. Uh, Before before, uh, Gary calls in, Larry, um, let's talk about – okay, we sort of – I've sort of made jokes about this, the notion of Billy Corgan's NWA, but you know, I got the article in sports illustrated um, online and uh, what are your thoughts about how that's going to go? Um, 
he seemed what, what did Billy Corgan say he had a 20 year plan yeah you know and I like the idea that you know they're in no rush and they you know the the old cliche of the um, you don't get a second chance at a first impression and they want to make sure that's the, I mean that's what I took from it they want to make sure they've got yeah. their ducks in a row before they try to do anything uh, I like all that uh, that doesn't change my overall view of there's no demand for this product regardless I just don't see where, where the demand comes from he I was with him until he said the thing that I just think is the downfall of basically most wrestling promotions, which is this fallacious idea that look at the Monday Night Wars. P.S. folks, um, Monday Night Wars 20 years ago. Let me say that yeah. again. 20 years ago. Um, look how many people were watching on Monday night. I think those, uh, there's this weird notion that wrestling fans are lying dormant like locusts or yeah. the, the white walkers in freaking game of Thrones that they're going to just, that they're just hanging around waiting for wrestling to sweep them up again. And clearly they've moved on. I say that again, clearly they've moved on. And this idea that somehow the NWA, I mean, he said all the right stuff. We're going to, we're going to honor the brand, but we're going to do some stuff that's innovative and blah, 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 blah. But I can't imagine, oh, and you know, and he's got the tape library from Houston. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why that's supposed to interest me. Um, I, I would love to see that footage. Um, I don't think I'm going to pay for it because I got the feeling that, you know, I'll just be able to wait and <laughs> someday be able to see all of it. So I don't know. Um, like you said, I think you, you said it best. Is there still a demand? It would be an interesting question um, what Gary would think about that and what he thought about Lance Russell as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I was talking with Dan Masters the other day, and he brought up the uh, Georgia Championship wrestling footage, the Jerry Oates-Columbus Georgia Championship Wrestling, which is floating out there somewhere, which had a lot of good talent on it and stuff. And it would be like, mm -hmm. it would be interesting to see it. And, you know, it has some value, but like how much value does any of that stuff have these days? Um, you know, uh, it's not like you'd be like, it'd be a curiosity, but is anybody going to really pay to look at it? Probably not. Probably not. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I wish I would love to see the NWA come back as something of note. It's just hard to envision how that's going to happen in the current landscape. When you look at the struggles of Evolve and this nonsense with WWN and Flow Slam and the um, the numbers that came out in that in the stories about that lawsuit, I mean, that. Flow Slam peaked at 2,000 subscribers? Wow. 2,000? I mean, deadly. Just deadly. Um, yes. I don't know if you saw, I mean, caught that, that, oh. uh, that Josh Wheeler got mentioned in that uh, one of the stories. Um, I did not. That, what did they say? Yeah. That he, what, what, what he was quoted as saying is that when uh, AWE ran the combined show with Evolve, that uh, WWN brokered the deal for them to do iPay-Per-View. And he was offered 
$1,000 for the rights, and then two days before the show, it was cut to 250 bucks. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, any, any idea what the numbers were as far as how many people watched that? None at all. Um, but I think that, you know, what was, what was Flow Slam thinking to buy into a figure of 5,000 streams that, that, according to the story that was um, written by David Bixenspan, you know, that was the number of, of streaming people they were claiming to get on their iPay-per-views. Well, if they were getting 5,000, why would they need to cut a deal with Flow Slam if they were really right. doing 5,000? It just doesn't – it boggles the mind, really. Well, I've been to many of those like WWN sort of tapings at, you know, the Orpheum and, and other places. And Larry, again, there's shows that they've done where they had to let people in for free just to have anybody there. Um, Shine tends to do really well, but it's that same crowd. It's the same people who are kind of there as sort of weird fans of the women, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's, I'm not saying there's anything like super tawdry about it, but there's also something that's not quite normal about it too. So it's not like they have this like, you know, raucous following. And we're talking about Florida where, I mean, wrestling is as big in Florida as it is anywhere else. And they still, and you know, so they, they put on the trappings of, Oh, we're doing this. I pay-per-view and all this kind of stuff. But you know, I'm looking at a bar with a hundred people in it or less when push comes mm -hmm. to shove. And so like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's hard yeah, to how imagine. Many, how many people are know, paying uh, 20 bucks a month to flow slam to, to watch that stuff. I mean, obviously, I remember being, <laughs> you know, a couple of Halloweens ago, um, I just remember being crushed because Kaiju Big Battle was going to be in town. And it was one of these weird things that I was always into before, you know, I would get all the DVDs and that kind of thing. And then I went, Larry, this is not a joke. There were less than 10 people there. And I would imagine maybe two or three of them paid. Oh, geez for Kaiju Big Battle, which at one time when they ran, would run in New York, now granted, they would yeah. not run shows all of the time, but when they'd run them, damned if that building wasn't packed full of incredibly energetic. I mean, it was a sort of a similar thing to PCW where they were clearly not going for hardcore wrestling fans. They were more interested in sort of like, in their case, have, leaning heavily on the sort of irony crowd, you know, the kind of crowd that would sort of get anime references and that kind of thing. Right. And, um, right. and yeah, yeah. So that was like, I thought that that was really telling with all this promotion of like, Kaiju big battle is going to be here, there and everywhere. And, you know, I show up there on uh, Halloween and, you know, Elena's all dressed up. I mean, that was the best part was <laughs> the few people that showed up. One of the guys l was a dead on star Lord from guardians of the galaxy. So Elena was thrilled. She got her picture with him, but <laughs> Yeah. Hey, uh, Steve, we've got our uh, guest on the line. Would you mind doing the honors? Absolutely. Uh, the author of Body Slams, um, one of my favorite announcers of all time, and a gentleman that's going to be bringing his very unique one-man show, not only to Georgia, but to Florida as well. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Gary Michael Capetta. How are you doing tonight, Gary? 
Is it October 13th yet? I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> John Body Slams. I'm ready. Let's do it. <laughs> How you fellas doing tonight? We're we're doing great. Um, you know, we were talking about. Uh, we might as well open with this. You know, we were talking about Lance Russell, who unfortunately has passed on. And uh, mm-hmm. kind of t- kind of talking about how um, his influence uh, to me, the greatest thing about Lance Russell was he was the anchor that sort of held down that insane circus of Memphis, and without him, it would have just been kind of a silly show. Um, did you see your role in a similar way when you were an announcer? A, a role for Lance? Oh, no, a role, a role, your role. Um, did you see your? <laughs> Are you kidding? I'm in the middle of Conyers, Georgia, right now. I want to know where everybody is. <laughs> me? No, 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 no. I'm the world's most dangerous announcer. Are you kidding me? No, no, no. I just stayed out of the way. Are you? Kidding? I was. Um, you know, uh, in, in in seriousness. I always had one foot in wrestling and one foot out of wrestling. So it was true that there would be wrestlers that would come over to me and start asking me questions about things or talking to me about things that they probably wouldn't talk to their colleagues about, their fellow wrestlers about. Um, you know, but it was a, it was a, a personal on a personal level. It Lance's um contribution in that way in a a calming effect would have been promotion wise you know would have been throughout the entire um organization um what a what a wonderful gentle professional individual lance always um he always treated me well um you know my my favorite my favorite um memory would be Lance and his wife, along with Gordon Soley and his wife, Smokey, and they would hop in the car <laughs> and they would just take off. They would, they would travel together. They would vacation together. And they would wind up in Texas or Arizona or, <laughs> they would, you know, you, would never, you never knew where they would, where they would pop up. Um, both gentlemen um, were true, true legends. And that word gets bounced around way, way too easily. Um, You know, these days, if you are in or have anything to do with pro wrestling and you live to be more than 50 years old, you're a legend, you know? Yes. It's it's just a matter of surviving. But but those guys were were true, true pioneers and legends. Um, and, And Lance will always have a, a special part of my heart, you know, have a, a special place in my heart. Um, loved Lance. So, uh, Gary, you're, you're coming to Orlando, and you're coming to Tampa, and you're coming to Georgia. My goodness. Uh, you, obviously, at the end, we'll, we'll talk more in detail, um, but I, I guess the thing I want to ask you is, what can people expect? Um, it's the same when I would, whenever I would interview musicians or comedians or anybody else. 
I would always ask this question, which is what can somebody expect that comes to your shows? Obviously wrestling fans will be into what you're doing, but I really get the impression, especially after reading your book, that there's something in it for even somebody who didn't watch wrestling at the time where you were doing your thing as an announcer. What's, what can somebody expect when they come to your show? Absolutely. Um, it has a broad appeal. It is truly a stage show. It's not a Q&A. It's, it's very difficult um, because it's so unique. Um, it's a one-man performance art. Um, it's audience interactive. We're going to celebrate being wrestling fans. But if you've never been a wrestling fan, there's a, a hell of a lot that you're going to learn. Um, I'm going to share a lot of the stories that are in my book, Body Slams, but as the show's name indicates, we're going to go beyond that. I'm going to add um, more detail and, and more episodes than, um, than what you saw. In a, in a loosely scripted, um, uh, wacky, zany storytelling experience where as I'm talking on the giant screen, you're going to see what I'm talking about. <clears throat> I've got some rare rare video. For instance, the night Mick Foley lost his ear in Munich, Germany. There, that was a non-televised wow. event. But there was a fan at ringside who had a camcorder. And he did a great job in capturing the entire match. So as I tell you what happened leading up to that night, and it should have been a surprise to nobody that he lost his ear that night, and um, I, I talk about the move that that he did every single night that caused the loosening of his ear from the side of his head. You're going to see that on the screen. And when his ear falls off the side of his head, you're going to see that on the video. And you're going to see the referee oh pick God. his ear up. And you're going <laughs> to see the referee flip it to me at ringside in Munich, <laughs> Germany. And then I'm going to tell you what happened when I took the ear and I brought it backstage and tried to explain to Ric Flair, who was in charge that night, that I've got Mick Foley's ear. I've got Cactus's Jack ear in my hand <laughs> and what his response was. So you're going to hear what happened before, what happened after, and you're going to see the incident. So <clears throat> it's, it, it's an impact that is rarely experienced because there were only three people in the ring at ringside that can talk about it. Mick Foley, Vader, and me. So um, it's that kind of thing. I, I have other um, examples. I, I talk a lot about, I spent 11 years with the McMahon family. And um, we're going to take a look at the McMahon family scrapbook. And you're going to see pictures of the McMahons behind the scenes. And I'm going to highlight, and I'm not going to reveal which, but I'm going to highlight the McMahon that I think is the most interesting of the clan. And I'm going to tell hmm. you why. Um, Gorilla Monsoon was my mentor. Gorilla Mon most people know Gorilla Monsoon as um, the commentator with Bobby Heenan. But Back in the 60s, when he began wrestling, he was the Manchurian Giant. He was this 400-pound Hulk, 
fully bearded, bushy, and didn't speak English. <laughs> and I have home pictures of the gorilla with his little kids playing in the backyard, grilling, you know, <laughs> getting ready for a picnic. It's uh, it's incredible um, stuff that, you know, people have never seen before. So um, you'll hear the story and you'll see the story in pictures. I, you know, what interests me about the show, I can't wait to see it. What really interests me is nowadays with social media and Twitter and, and, you know, this debate about do wrestlers kind of show too much about their lives, they've made themselves, and Larry and I talk about this often, they've kind of made themselves not special. But what you're talking about are people who were larger than life, um, who were who were portrayed that way in public, and you're giving us an actual glimpse of them not in the public eye. And I mean, to me, that is incredibly fascinating because it is from a time where the guys were fiercely protective of of their identities um, because it literally was, you know, what put bread on the table. Yeah, and. Um... I'll, I take you through my 40-plus years, and um, so we go from WWF to um, AWA, then into my NWA years, where you'll see backstage footage from the locker room of a Great American Bash tour. Um, you know, things that, that most people have, you know, have never been clued in on. Um, and and it's um, what I think is what I'm very very happy about is that I, I did this show earlier in the year in um, eight cities, and um, the folks that have come out to see it universally have enjoyed it. But the 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 one word that they use, which um, actually to tell you the truth, it surprised me a little bit. It's fun. Is that we had a lot of fun. Mm. It was interesting, and we learned a lot but it was fun. And um, I don't usually think of myself as a fun guy, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, I just let it, just let it go. I, no, no two shows are the same. I do cover the same topics, but it's, it's sort of like a wrestling match. I know where I'm beginning and I know where I need to end and how I get there is different every night. Um, there, sometimes there'll be something that'll catch my eye in the audience. Like when I was in Chicago with the show, uh, I played a cabaret. So the folks are sitting at tables, and there was a guy, and during my entire show, he was writing. He was writing, and he was writing on these three-by-five file cards, and he was lining them up on his table. <laughs> and it was a little distracting, but I, you know, I could deal with it. But I, you know, at a certain point, I just had to stop and, and say, are you like a stooge for the McMahon family? Like, are you with the IRS? Like, what the <laughs> hell are you doing? It was, you know, and and I spent five minutes on this guy. Now, I usually don't, I usually don't go after someone in the audience, but it, it was just, it was just strange. It was just weird. <laughs> so, um, what's what's different is um, people know me from. Uh, saying a name away to place, a name away to place, a name away to place. And from all of my broadcasting experience, there is no time when you get to see my personality. Um, I'm not exactly as serious and conservative as 
my image is. So Gary Capetta isn't as conservative as Gary Michael Capetta appears. <laughs> so, right. you know, people will and, – and I think people have, have heard that in a lot of the different interviews um, that I've done. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really honest about what I think. Um, you knew from my voice in, in the book, I'll speak my mind, and I don't really care what anyone else thinks. I'm not looking for a position in any company. I never did. I understood that it's business. I think that it's kind of funny that there are wrestlers who act like trained puppies for all of their years in their connection with wrestling, even into their 50s, because they have one more run, and Vince McMahon's going to give them a call. <laughs> and it's just <laughs> ludicrous. It's just silly. Of course, if if... Vinny thought that he could make money with you. He'll call you in. It doesn't matter that you, you know, you've called him a hypocrite or whatever you've called him. He's a businessman. So, um, oh, or I'm, he's, I'm going to get inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. So I'm going to, you know, please give me a break. <laughs> you know, it's like so, so much of that is, is bullshit. So I have a good time with it, and I just tell the truth. And um, of course, I, I can't cover every topic from 40 years so my encore is a q a at the end of the night um any question that anyone from the audience has um you know we'll sound it out and we'll we'll air out our uh, what we agree on and what we differ on but the bottom line is is that we're going to celebrate being wrestling fans i think that's great before larry has a question gary um i today i got to see the venue where you're going to be in Orlando. And I mean, it, it is, you know, it's a, it's a wrestling gym. So the, you know, there's a wrestling ring, but at in Tampa and in Georgia. So October 15th, you're going to be in Orlando and it begins at like three Oh five in the afternoon. By the way, people mm-hmm. should go to eventbrite.com. Um, so you can get tickets and information for sure. But um, what kind of place are you going to be performing in, in Tampa the day before and in Georgia? Um, in Georgia, it's a small theater, downtown Conyers. Um, it's, it's a black box theater. Um, mm-hmm. It's the tent. Excuse me. In Tampa, it's the uh, Tampa Showman's Club, which uh, has a stage. It has a bar. <laughs> for those that want to imbibe, um, nice. it's uh, you know every, every every venue is is you know a little bit different. Uh, when I'm in Orlando on Sunday afternoon, the fifteenth, it's the first time, maybe the last time, I don't know, that I'm doing the show from um, inside a, a wrestling ring. Um, so you know it, it just depends. Most places that I play, I've never been to before. I don't have, you know, the, the facility to fly out and just to take a look at a venue. So I get there in the afternoon and I size it up, and um, I travel with a projector and a hundred hundred inch screen, and uh, you know, we just we set it up to make it the uh, to you know to optimize everyone's view and and so forth. So um, Black Box Theater in Atlanta or Conyers, um, Tampa Showman's Club, which is a, it's a, uh, it's like the clubhouse of the Carnies. It's pretty much uh, mm-hmm. 
what its purpose was, uh, but it's got a full-blown stage, and uh, like I said, it's got a, a bar that's attached that they're going to have open that night. And then uh, um, in Louisville um, on November the 4th, um, it's another, it's a black, uh, black box theater, which I, to tell you the truth, that that's my, um, my favorite kind of venue. Um, Queens, New York is also a black box theater. Um, it's just, it's more, um, it's more conducive to what I do, but once we darken the room, um, I always tell the venue owners, you know, it's, it's, it's my job to take people to another place through my stories and my video. And uh, so the, the, the venue doesn't really make that much difference. Um, right. It's, you know, it just depends on the day. Larry. Yes. Uh, Gary, this is Larry Goodman. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Um, Hello, you sir. know, your, your career, you know, spanned as you've mentioned so many years and so many of the major promotions. I was curious to know from WWF, AWA, and NWA, who would you, uh, of the talent, who was easy to work with and why, and who was difficult to work with if, and why? Um, 99% of everyone that I worked with, and I introduced probably tens of thousands of wrestlers, 99% of the folks were um, were easy. As far as, you know, in the ring, there, there really would be no um, problem. There really would be... When I started out, um, Georgie Animal Steel, Jimmy Snuka, they toyed with me. You know, they I was I was scared out of my wits because I, I was totally unclued into what was going on. Um, so they brought me in to make me part of the show. Um, so, you know, I, I really didn't like that, but it drew a lot of attention to a ring announcer when really a ring announcer should not be any center of attention. But it was people like George Steele and Jimmy Snuka that were enhancing their own characters and using me as a prop. Um, yeah, so there was there was no reason for anyone to be out of favor as I was doing my you know, playing my role. Um, they um, from early on because I knew my place, I knew my role, and I knew how to enhance what was going on as a supporting player. They, uh, by and large, the guys that got it, they appreciated what I did. Because they knew that I was doing it with my heart, and that I was that I was enhancing their entrance as you know a huge baby face or a dreaded heel. Um, the art of ring announcing is has pretty much been lost. Um, if you listen to the current, for instance, WWE product, what they what management wants the ring announcer to do is it's just repetitive. I mean, if you just tune into their product and you listen to the ring announcer. And this is not a slight on those folks. I, I, re I keep repeating myself when I say that about announcers and wrestlers for the WWE because all they're doing is delivering what management wants them to do. But listen to, to the cadence of their introductions. And it's all the same. It doesn't matter who it is. It's John Cena, Roman Reigns, 
you know, um, it's 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 all the same. So there's no art in that. You could record those introductions and really do away with the ring announcer. They pretty much have done away with the ring announcer in a sense where they don't even stand in the middle of the ring anymore. They cower in the corner. So it's uh, it's just a very different role that they're playing. Um, it's just circus-like as opposed to when Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair had their rivalry. And it was a big match, and you knew the folks in Chicago or Phoenix or New York were coming to see this, um, the rubber match, you know, what really was going to happen in that giant steel cage. There was um, a color to my voice that represented that this is it. This is real. Hold on to your hats because what you're going to see is going to knock you, you know, knock you silly. Not because I said it, but because you heard it in my voice saying that same introduction. So um, I got away from the your question, but I had no problem with um, with anyone as I was doing my um, playing my role. No, it, it was it was a joy. Um, over uh, over Gary, the um, years, did you find there was more or less or the same amount of sort of like ad lib kind of things occurring with talent uh, as you were doing your job? Did that change yeah, I was over never, time? I was never clued into what was going to happen. Um, when I, when um, Ravishing Rick Rude would come into the ring and, um, you know, I knew he was going to ask for the microphone and he was going to, you know, tell the, the sweat hog women, you know, whatever he was going to tell them. But there were times when he would come in and he would have me deliver that to them. I never knew, but he would tell me what he wanted in the ring, uh, you know, at the time. And he, and what you saw was him looking down at me and his finger pointing at me. And he really was telling me what he wants. And so I would take the microphone and I would say, you know, Rick Rude wants all of you fat, ugly sweat hogs. <laughs> and it was, he was masterful because it was so funny coming from me, you know, Mr. Right. Conservative, who would never insult anybody. Um, yeah, I never knew, uh, I, you know, I never knew what was going to happen. I just was uh, like quick on my feet. You know, I, Gary, before before it gets away from us, um, please tell us um, tell us you know dates, times, and all of that for Georgia and Tampa and Orlando. Ah, okay. So the first three um, the first three shows of the Six City Tour, um, you know, Friday the thirteenth. I'm all into luck. <laughs> Friday the thirteenth. <laughs> um, Friday night, seven thirty five in Conyers, Georgia. And then the next night at 8.05 in Tampa, Florida at the Tampa Showman's Club. And then the next afternoon, Orlando um, at 3.05 at Alex Porto's Pro Wrestling 2.0 Training Center. Um, then I head up north, and um, October 28th, I'm in uh, Asbury Park, New Jersey, 7.35 on November the 4th. I'm in Louisville at 7:35, and in um, New York City, Queens, New York, at Queens Theater, also 7:35. So those are my um, Conyers, 
Tampa, Orlando, Asbury Park, Louisville, Queens, New York. Those are my next six shows. Nice. And, again, when you look at um, Eventbrite, B-R-I-T-E dot com, um, for tickets and information about the shows, uh, I should point out that, of course, you can buy tickets and go see the show, and that's the bare minimum of what you can do. But you also offer something a little extra, right? People can kind of do a meet and greet with you as well. Yeah, there are two um, two ticket prices. One is a, a $25 general admission, and then for $45, you, uh, you get that general admission ticket, but you are – um, you enter the theater first so that you have your choice of seat. You, have, you get a free Body Slams book. You get a free 8x10 tour photo. And in most venues, it's going to be after the show. Um, we'll be able to get together, um, do a photo op. I'll sign anything that you bring. Um, so it's really it's an $80 value for, uh, for the $45. Um, especially if you don't have the book and you want the book, uh, that's really the way to go. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's it's twenty five general admission and the premium meet and greet forty five. Nice, Larry. Do you have a final question for Gary? Yeah, I was kind of curious about Gary about your choice of going to Conyers, Georgia. Ah, well, part of that is economics. Um, that. Uh, the the theaters in Atlanta were just a, a lot higher priced. Um, I work on a really thin margin, um, so that I can offer uh, a twenty five dollar ticket. Remember that I'm on the road, and so you know there are a lot of expenses that go along with that. You know the road the road fees and the, um, the hotels and so forth. Um, Conyers also was like they were very welcoming. Um, it's it's amazing. Let me give you an example. Like in Louisville, um, I'm playing a place called the Alley Theater, and in most of these black box theaters, they have um, their seasonal um, theater uh, theater seasons. So I have to fit in between their shows. Um, when I when I talked to the guy to the guy from Louisville, I said, okay. Um, like which which dates do you have free? And he told me, and I said, okay, I'm like I'm waiting on this New York City date, and I, I really can't confirm now. He says to me, ah, don't worry about it. He said, whatever date you come up with, we'll just preempt one of our shows, which is you know now if, if in most cities that's not going to happen. So I, I'm also having to fit in the Atlanta area date with Tampa and Orlando, and the availability of those places. So it's a, a big puzzle that you're putting together, and uh, I'm promoting the um, all of the shows. So I'm sitting here and and trying to map out like where can I be, and then I'll probably be driving through the night after the Atlanta show to get to Tampa, and and to prepare for that that evening show. So it's logistics, it's finances, and it's availability. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's com- it, it, it's a little complicated. Um, it, it's yeah, it, it just takes a little time to uh, to piece it together because I do have stage props, because I do have um, costume changes, because I do carry the projector and the screen. I have to drive it all, 
So if I'm going to go to Tampa or if I'm going to go to Atlanta or I'm going to go to Orlando, I'm not just going to go down for the one show. I needed to piece a few shows together. So therefore, so therefore, wrestling fans out there in the Atlanta area, the Tampa area, and the Orlando area, I don't want to hear that, oh, I live an hour away. You know, guys, I'm driving 16 hours to come see you. <laughs> I don't want any of this bullshit about, oh, you know, there's some folks that, if, like, if I don't show up in their living room, it's too far for them. Oh. So it's like, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear that. I'm, I'm coming down to see you, and I can't wait to see you. But, you know, sometimes you have to make a little bit of an effort. You know what? You know what's really cool? For the um, Conyers, Georgia show, there's a guy coming from Huntsville, Alabama. I'm mean, wow. like, you know, c- you know, because tickets are going nicely. And so um, as the ticket orders come in from Eventbrite, um, you know, you're putting in, you know, where you're from. And he's coming in from Huntsville. And I'm like, I'm thrilled. Like, and it, it gives me um, – you know, as a ring announcer, I never sold a ticket. No one ever came to see a wrestling show because Gary Michael Capetta was the announcer. I mean, no one ever tuned right, into, you know, tuned into TBS cause, and said, "Oh no, wait a minute, wait, Gary's not announcing. I'm not. I'm not going to watch this show." <laughs> <laughs> so for for somebody, you know, to take time out of their busy schedule and to buy a ticket to come see my show, um, it's humbling. And it's, it's, it's like a totally new experience for me. And um, all kidding aside, I appreciate everyone that, that does come out. And um, I feel a, a great responsibility that when you leave my show, you're going to say, oh, yeah, that was worth it. And I'll do everything I can to make that happen. Also, along the way, and I now don't ask me details because I can't give you details tonight. But I'm going to have some friends from the wrestling world with me along the way in different cities. Oh, so nice. That, that will be announced um, as we go along, as we lead up to these dates. And it's not going to be every city. It's, you know, I have, I have people from the wrestling world that, that have contacted me about, hey, Gar, can I, I want to come see your show. <laughs> it's like, cool. Yeah, so we'll... Uh, We'll announce those as as we get a little closer, the week leading up to each show. Well, I, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing the show in Orlando. Um, I just, it's right down my alley. And uh, when your book came out, it was, it was, I mean, it was a rare thing to have a wrestling book that was actually good. I mean, and like Mick Foley certainly broke that open and yours was, kind of in a similar time frame because I remember I would just snatch up any wrestling book. Um, and your book is exactly what I wanted, which was a lot of road stories. And it, it was really the story of a guy who, a, a guy, a, kind of a normal dude who found himself in this insane business and then sort of like navigate his way around this sort of cast of characters. Thank you very much. I I appreciate you saying that. Um, And 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 this is a person who I had no, I had no intention of being in the wrestling business at all. I mean, it it wasn't something that I sought. (laughs) All I wanted Mm -hmm. to do was to get into the show for free. That was, you know, (laughs) and 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 through the 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 kindness of Gorilla Monsoon, I mean, it turned into a forty-year career. 
It was just, I had no intention. They just didn't have a ring announcer, and it was kind of boring without a ring announcer, and the the show was kind of slow and dragging, and I just volunteered just for the night. That was was all, uh, that's all I wanted to do. So, um, and when I come to Orlando, I don't know where else they are. I think they're in Tampa, too. I, this, I, I love uh, bad, cheap food. I love, you know, I love that. Is it CeCe's? CeCe's Pizza? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a bad <laughs> food. Is that bad food? I mean, we don't that's have those. In, we don't have those around where I live. And, and to me, it, it, it's, you know, like an all-you-can-eat smorgasbord of different pizzas. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. That's yes, it. Well, that's I'll, exactly what it is. I'll be there, baby. I love that kind of crap. <laughs> 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 I, you know, I see the national commercials for them, and it, they draw me in, and I want to – like a Golden Corral. Like that's, that's, one of my, that's like a dream place for me. <laughs> <laughs> I start planning two days in advance for my Golden Corral trips. It's they're, they're oh wonderful. <laughs> so a CC's well, pizza is on my it's on my agenda for when I'm down south. Oh my gosh! Well, you Knock will be in luck. Yes, yeah. <laughs> CC's pizza, Cracker Barrels, and um, Golden Corrals sprouts like weeds. So you'll be you'll be in good hands. <laughs> Gary, thank you for coming on so much. And we're going to post all the information about the shows on uh, Georgia Wrestling History. And um, I can't wait to meet you. I think it's going to be wonderful. We're going to have a great time, that I can promise you. And I'm, I'm looking forward. You know, the last time I was in the Atlanta area was the very last time that I announced my final center stage show. Oh, um, God. And if you ask me that night, I'll tell you the story of how that went down. There was a little controversy. My, uh, I don't, I, you know, I do nothing to cause controversy, but it just surrounds me. Um, <laughs> ask me in the Q and A. I'll, I'll give you the story. Uh, if you're at the uh, Conyers, Georgia show, um, if you're in the Orlando show, my most vivid memories are doing the tapings at Disney MGM. Um, yeah. Oh, my wonderful time with Eric Bischoff. Just oh, ask me about that. And also, St. <laughs> Petersburg Bayfront Center for the Tampa show, that was my very last pay-per-view. And there was a little bit of a scuttlebutt there, too, on that night. So uh, if you remind me during the encore of each of those shows, you can ask me about that city. And, oh, man, you're not, you wouldn't... Well, you probably would. You've heard so much. You probably would believe the stories, but I'll just give you another one to confirm what you've, you know, heard on podcasts and <laughs> and read in Meltzer's dirt sheet and stuff like that. Because it's some of these folks, they're out of their mind. So uh, I, I will confirm that. Doctor Capetta will confirm that they are out of their minds. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Gary. Yeah, I look forward to meeting you all. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Man, I'm, uh, you know, I I almost told Gary as we were talking to him, but um, a surprise that I have is I think I've lined up an actual theater critic to come see the show and critique it 
from the perspective of 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 a work of theater. And so um, I'll be fascinated what that critic has. That, that that critic is not me, and that critic is really tough. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm kind of nervous, um, especially because the um, Orlando location. Like I said, I got to see it today. It's a I mean it's a wrestling gym. They you know it's a ring. It's a bunch of workout equipment. So there's kind of no room to hide. You know exactly where you are, and you know exactly what it's about. So I don't know if that's going to be a plus or a minus in the eyes of the theater critic, but I do like the book, and I'm looking forward to seeing that show. Well, I'm afraid I may have to miss the Conyers show. I was hoping to go, but I have to take this guy, a client, to an MRI. You ever hear of doing an MRI at Friday night at 630? Don't they close these but- I never heard of such a thing. He's got an MRI at 6:30 on a Friday night. Anyway, I, I, good, I digress. good luck on that. I mean, I, I, know. I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty tough guy. But when I had to sit through my MRI, everybody kept telling me it's the worst. It's so difficult, and um, I didn't get. I was the only one out of the six who they said, "Who's the one who's not getting basically anesthetic and knocked out?" And I'm like, "Oh." Me, I guess. And the other five people looked at me and kind of chuckled, like, you sucker. You're not going to get knocked out for this thing. And like, oh, boy. So, yeah, Friday at 630. Yeah. <laughs> Don't they close at 5 o'clock? I mean, come on. Um, you mentioned in uh, the you mentioned Georgia wrestling history as you were speaking with their closing out with Gary there. And I know we spoke of this oh, more than a year ago, but it looks like it may – finally come to the pass due to the uh, detective work of one Brian Slack that we may actually resume the georgiawrestlinghistory.com uh, website. That may We may have that name again and resume calling ourselves that. We shall know here shortly. But if it does oh, happen, nice. thanks, it, it's thanks to Brian Slack doing some legwork to figure out what went wrong a year ago when we were going to do it and it never happened probably due to my slack follow-up so to speak but it looks like he's he may actually be able to get something um, done here so we'll keep you posted on that uh a follow-up too on a something we talked about two weeks ago which was the uiw show without a venue well the venue has been named the october uh 28th show for uiw will take place in villa rick at gold dust park so they did settle on a venue for that show Oh, good. Uh, good and good, good. Uh, I know we're going to close out with a Lance Russell clip coming up this weekend. Of course, uh, PCW is back in action. Peach State Wrestling is back in action. Uh, I'm sure others, but those are the ones that are at the top of my list for this coming weekend. Nice. Excellent. Well, you know, we, we opened the show talking about Lance Russell. And um, so I asked Larry uh, last minute, like when these ideas come to me, I was like, oh, if you could grab a couple of clips of Lance Russell, that would be awesome. And Larry managed to pull it off. Do you want to do you like the second one that you mentioned? I got to admit, I was kind of I'm kind of over the moon excited because I can't I can't quite place in my mind what it is. I'm Um, sorry to to say that that one is not. There's a with uh, Blog Talk when you try to upload things close to the airing of the show, they don't process. Sometimes they process and sometimes they don't. This that oh, okay. second one unfortunately did not process, but the first one did. I do have a clip oh. 
of a this is from 1986. Uh, the 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 backdrop is a uh, a match between um, Jerry Jarrett and Tojo Yamamoto, where I guess Jerry is not, is half blind uh, due to something that took place. And as this as you listen to this, you have to picture that Lance Russell is holding a hammer in his hand and oh. uh, threatening to use it on Tojo if necessary. Um, that's how upset he is about what has taken place. So shall I go to nice. that now? Well, yeah, we'll we'll let that go ahead and close us out. So um, as we listen to the uh, wonderful voice of uh, Lance Russell, please rest in peace, Lance Russell. Um, we will see you um, soon once again with the tipping point. And now Lance Russell, hammer in hand. Brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.